Strange Tales. RelicRadio.com presents tales of the strange and bizarre, the weird and the wicked. Stories not necessarily of the supernatural, but of the unnatural. Join us now for Strange Tales, featuring radio drama at its most mysterious and unusual. Strange Tales. Thanks for joining me this Sunday. We're going to hear from the Mysterious Traveler this week, a mutual series that took to the air or took to the rails. December 5th of 1947, 384 broadcasts. It left radio September 16th, 1952. Our story today is from March 13th, 1951. It's titled Knives of Death. Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Mysterious Traveler, written, produced, and directed by Robert A. Arthur and David Colvin, and starring two of radio's foremost actresses, Gladys Thornton and Abby Lewis, in The Knives of Death. This is The Mysterious Traveler. Inviting you to join me on another journey into the realm of the strange and the terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, and it will thrill you a little and chill you a little. So settle back, get a good grip on your nerves, and be comfortable, if you can, as we join two little old ladies who have one burning ambition in life. They want to solve a murder. It's a story I call The Knives of Death. Perhaps you remember two sweet old ladies named Grace and Florence Murdoch. Grace is 72 and Florence is younger. She's only 70. After a lifetime in a small town, they've set out to see the world. Well, up to now, their only recreation has been reading mystery stories. Now they're determined to find real adventure and not just read about it. In their hotel room high above New York, Grace Murdoch is looking out at the great city below them with eager anticipation. New York, Florence, think about it. We're in New York. I don't have to think about it, Grace. I know we're in New York. Oh, look at the lights, the enormous buildings, the traffic. Florence, think of the adventures waiting for us down there. The people we'll meet. 
the mysteries we may encounter? I don't want to encounter any mysteries. At my age, I'm perfectly content to have a nice, quiet time sightseeing. Oh, sightseeing. Really, Florence, you sound just like a retired schoolteacher. Well, I am a retired schoolteacher, and so are you. That doesn't mean I have to act like one. Oh. As soon as we've changed our clothes, we're going down to Chinatown to have dinner. Grace, you're forgetting. Forgetting what? We promised to go out to New Jersey to see Matilda Smith tonight. We did. I don't remember doing any such thing. Why, I don't even remember any Matilda Smith. That's her married name. She used to be Matilda Johnson. She was a pupil of mine the first year I taught school. A thin, unattractive southern girl with just lots of money. She sounds simply dismal. Why do you want to look her up? Because of her husband. He used to be a professor. He made several trips to Africa, wrote some very interesting articles about the strange tribal customs he encountered. Now, I'll phone her and tell her we'll be out later. Hello? Operator, I want to make a person-to-person call to Mrs. Matilda Smith in Dobbs Corners, New Jersey. That's it. Yes, I'll do. There, that's it. The chairs are all in place. Now the table to hold my notes. Will you help me move it, Matilda, my dear? But be careful of the African knife. It might... Oh, oh, Maximilian! It almost hit my foot. I told you to be careful, my dear. There, I have it. Oh, what a beauty it is. Sharp as a razor. And notice the carvings on the blade. The greatest witch doctor in Africa made this oh, knife. I don't want to hear about it. And I forbid you to talk about it tonight, do you hear? I forbid you. But our little gathering tonight is for the express purpose of hearing my talk on the worship of death among the Dambangi savages of Africa. And a very select group it is, the leading grocer and his wife, the owner of the local garage and his wife, chief of police Hoffman, all our very best neighbors. You can talk about something else. Why do you have to talk about death all the time? Death, death, death. You know how it frightens me to think about it. But we discussed all that, my dear. And we agreed that the only way to overcome this morbid fear of death is to face it. Now, what is death? <laughs> it's just a word. Nothing to be afraid of. We all must die in time. Some of us sooner than others. But there's no need to cower in fear of the inevitable. <laughs> but Matilda, I... Talking this way to torture me. You want me dead. You'd kill me if you're dead, but you don't dare. You know the whole world would know the truth. I love you. are hysterical. You must calm yourself. Remember, we have guests coming in a few hours. Well, I do believe we're going to have a storm, too. Well, it'll just make an appropriate setting for my little lecture. The Dambangi savages, you know, believe that on a stormy night, death is able to walk abroad to select his next victim. <laughs> Talk like that anymore. Oh, Matilda. Hadn't you better answer? Yes. Oh, Florence, madam. Oh, Florence, yes, I do want you to come right away. No, 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 you must come tonight as soon as you can. I, I want you to protect me. My husband's trying to kill me. He's trying to scare me to death. Oh, goodness, what a night. 
Florence, are you sure that Matilda said her husband was trying to kill her? Of course I'm sure. She said he was trying to scare us to death. Oh, do you realize that we've read over a thousand mystery novels, and in none of them has a victim ever been scared to death? What of it? Don't you see? It's a brand new murder method. Why, Florence, this may be an adventure. It's much more exciting than a trip to Chinatown. That's a very callous attitude. I only hope we're in time to help Matilda. Over the telephone, she sounded positively terrified. Tell me again all you know about her, just in case. Well, she has lots of money, and she's very stingy with it. A few years ago, she married this professor, a man much younger than herself. Apparently, he married her for her money. He's been furious at her ever since because he can't get his hands on any of it. Go on. <laughs> well, anyway, he's very brilliant. He studied witchcraft in Africa, and Matilda is sure he'd kill her if he knew how to get away with it. Oh, Patsy seems to be slowing down. Do you suppose we're actually there at last? Yes. There's one of those little glass signs on the lawn. Oh, Smith, it says. Oh. But the house is awfully dark. Goodness, I do hope we're in time. <laughs> Is anyone home? They're an awful long time answering. Matilda said the professor was giving a talk tonight to some friends. Maybe they don't hear it. Yes? Who is it? Grace and Florence Murdoch. Uh, Matilda invited us. Oh, of course. Come in, come in. We were afraid you weren't coming. We took the wrong train. Uh, we'd have been here hours ago. Oh, what a pity. Let me take your things. I'll hang them here to dry. Who is it, Maximilian? Your friends, my dear. They finally located our humble abode. Lawrence, it's you. Oh, I was so afraid you weren't coming. We got lost, Matilda. But how are you? Are you all right? No, I'm not all right. I'm frightened. My dear, you you must control yourself. I hope you'll understand about Matilda, dear ladies. She hasn't been herself in recent months. She's obsessed with the notion she's going to die. Don't say it. I forbid you to speak that word. You see, she has a death phobia. The very word upsets her. And most unfortunately, this evening I was asked to lecture on the worship of death among the Dambongi savages. A fascinating topic. Death to the Dambongis is a is a living creature. The thunder is the echo of his footsteps. No, 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 Make it stop, Lawrence. Make it stop. He's trying to kill me. He's trying to fight. To frighten me into dying. Matilda. There, now, it's all right. Really, it is. Professor Smith. Matilda should be in bed. She needs a sedative. Just what I told her. Oh. But she insisted on staying up to greet you. Her room is right here. If, if you could persuade her... I will. Matilda, come with me. I'm going to put you to bed, do you hear? Then you'll be all right. Oh, such a pity, my wife's affliction. But I'm sure her old friend will be good for her, Miss Grace. Now we were in the midst of my little talk. If you care to come into the living room and join us, I'll continue. <laughs> Now, my friends, 
having discussed the curious beliefs concerning the subject of death held by these savages, the Tambongi tribe of Central Africa, I am going to show one of the sacred knives of the tribe. <coughs> I'll hold it up here. Notice the tremendous blade, razor sharp, and the curious carving. <coughs> the Dambongi believe that a knife like this is the house in which death lives, and that just such a knife possesses a life of its own, and can seek out and kill a victim with no human hand touching it. <laughs> That's superstition, of course. But still, strange things do happen in Africa. I'll pass the knife among you for closer inspection. Chief Hoffman, would you care to look at it? Yeah, I guess so. Handle it carefully. It could give you a nasty cut. Oh, look out. You dropped it. Well, I, I have it. I have it. No harm done. Seems to twist right out of my hand. Like it was alive. The unexpected weight, of course. But perhaps I'd better not pass it around. Someone might be cut. Instead, I'll start the projector and show you the exotic tribal dance in which this knife was dedicated to death. Grace? Grace? Where are you? Here, to the left of the door. Oh, I couldn't see you. Sit down. How is Matilda? She's asleep. I gave her a tablet. Grace, she's frightened. She swears he'd kill her if he did. Did you lock her door? Yes, I turned out the light. And I set the catch so the door locked automatically. Why? Because this husband of hers is up to something. I don't know what. But all this talk about the death worship of dambungate savages and the rest of it, it's, it's pure hocus pocus. You mean it's not true? Oh, not a word of it. There's no such tribe. Look at that film. It's just an ordinary tribal dance. But he has all these people in here, their neighbors, sitting on the edge of their chairs. Then he's up to something. Yes, so we'll just stay here with Matilda tonight. Tomorrow we'll discuss what's to be done. With the door locked, she should be safe enough. Yes. The window's locked, too, because of the storm. Nobody could possibly get into that room. Well, the dance is over. I'll shut off the projector. Lights. Now, friends, if ah! oh, what was that? What was that? What was yeah. it? That was Matilda. Please, everyone, remain quiet. Oh, My that? wife may have been having a nightmare. Oh, it was no nightmare, Florence. It certainly was not, Grace. Come on. We must see what's happening. Please, dear ladies, don't alarm yourselves. Poor Matilda frequently has nightmares. Well, that doesn't sound like a nightmare to me, Professor. No, me either. Oh, I forgot I locked your door just now. I'm sure she's all right. But just to make certain, Matilda, Matilda, my love, she doesn't answer. Well, perhaps we had better break the door down. Chief Hoffman, if you'll help me. Yeah, sure. Then come on. Uh, once. Uh, twice. Uh, All right. Now once more. Uh, that does it. Now let me find the light switch here. Oh, 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 she's dead. She's lying right in the middle of the bed where I left her. Only now she's dead, with one of those African knives straight through her heart. Hmm. This wall's perfectly solid. And yeah, this one is, too. Well, it beats me. 
The walls are solid, the windows are locked, and we know the door was locked because we had to break it down. And still, somebody got in and killed poor Matilda. But how? It's extremely puzzling. More than puzzling, my dear Miss Murdoch. Impossible. Surely by now it's obvious that at last Matilda could endure her terror no longer and ended it by seeking the very death she feared. Nonsense. You mean you don't think so? Of course not. I've known Matilda since she was a girl. She was always emotional. She certainly wouldn't kill herself. Florence is quite right. Nobody who worries so much about dying ever kills himself. Then, my dear ladies, we have an impossibility. If in this tightly locked room my wife didn't kill herself and wasn't killed, what other answer remains? I don't know yet. If we rule out those two possibilities, we're left with a picture of a huge African knight dedicated to death by the mystic spell of an African witch doctor, rising in the darkness, floating through the air, and plunging itself into its victim's heart. Nah, she killed herself. That's what I say. I stick to it. Just how did that knife that killed Matilda get in this room? I don't think that's been explained. I brought back a pair of them from Africa. They're very rare and extremely valuable. One I kept, one I presented to my wife. She kept it in here. I would hardly expect her to keep something she dreaded so much in a room. Because of the value of the knife. Matilda, for all her wealth, was extremely close-fisted. Anything valuable, she liked to keep close to her. There's one thing you men are overlooking. Yeah, Miss Murdoch? I helped Matilda to bed. I saw her take a sleeping potion just before I turned out the light. Then she she couldn't have killed herself. The medicine would have put it to sleep too quickly. Just what I was trying to point out. Well, Professor, what do you say to that? What can I say, dear lady? Only what I've said before. Here in this locked room was a knife, animated by the very spirit of death himself. The storm is raging outside. The sleeping spirit in the knife stirs. The knife moves. Now, this is Dobbs Corners, New Jersey, not Africa. That kind of stuff don't happen here. I say she killed herself. It's the only way it could have happened. And I'm going home. I decided there ain't no case here for the police, and that's that. Yes, of course you're right. It couldn't have happened any other way. I'll see you to the door and tell my other guests that they're at liberty to go home. You will all understand that I want to be alone with my grief. Well, Grace, you wanted adventure tonight. I guess you've gotten it. Poor Matilda. That that monster murdered her. The least we can do is avenge her by proving it. If he murdered her, I'm sure I don't know how. He was out in the other room talking to us when she died. Yes, he was just turning up the lights when she screamed. Oh, but we must try. Uh, there's the knife he was showing us there on the table in the hall. Uh, get it for me, will you? All right, though I can't imagine why you want it. Here it is. Now, bring it over here to the bed. Uh, there now. Hold the knife close to the one that killed Matilda. I want to make sure they're identical. Very well, Grace. Grace! What, Florence? This knife in my hand. It moved all by itself. Look, I'll show you. I'll hold it close to the first knife like this and... See? It practically jumped to touch the other knife. It's very strange. Let me try it. You're right. There's a strong and definite attraction between these two knives. As if, as if there was something living in them. A 
Is like Professor Smith said. Yes, and I think I know what it is. Oh! The lights almost went out then. Yes, lightning struck the wires. But, Florence... Yes, Grace? I need ten minutes. Go out and somehow try to keep the professor from interrupting me for that long. But how? Oh, how do I know? Use your... Feminine wiles on him. I never learned any. That's why I'm an old maid. Then faint or do something, anything. But I need ten minutes to discover the kind of black magic Professor Smith used to kill Matilda without ever coming nearer. Grace? Yes? Chief Hoffman is just driving away. The others have already left. Professor Smith will be coming back any minute. Let him come. I'm all ready for him. Uh, help me put this stepladder in the closet. All right. <laughs> but what in the world were you doing with the stepladder? I found it in the hall, and I was using it to practice black magic. Grace, what on earth are you talking about? Look around and you'll see what I mean. I don't see a thing different. There's poor children's body, just as we discovered her. And everything else is the same, too. Not quite. Lawrence, look at the knife that killed Matilda. Notice how straight it went into her heart. Why, yes, perfectly straight. And from reading more than 1,000 mystery novels, we know that when anyone strikes a fatal blow, it usually enters at an angle. Of course it does. And this knife went in as straight as if it had gone point foremost and... <gasps> That's it, Florence. Now you're looking in the right place. The ceiling! Directly over Matilda's bed. There's a huge knife lying right against the ceiling. I just finished putting it there. But what makes it stay there? Black magic, Florence. Black magic, Professor Smith. Magic, used... oh. my dear Miss Murdoch. What were you saying about me and black magic? Professor Smith. I was asking what were you saying about me and black magic? You two been disturbing poor Matilda's body. Grace, I think it's time we were going. Uh, yes, Florence. It's very late and we must be getting back. Stand still, you two. Crazy. He's, he's pointing a gun at us. And it's loaded. Furthermore, I'm an excellent shot. You'd never shoot two defenseless women. Since he's just murdered one defenseless woman, Florence, I wouldn't be too sure of that. I'm tired of this little comedy and of you two busybodies. You'll stand there until I can see what you've done to Matilda's body. Well, why are you rolling Matilda's bed out from the wall? So that I can stand between it and the wall. And keep oh. an eye on you, too, while I examine Matilda, my late but unlamented wife. Now we'll see. Good. Grace, what are we going to do? He, he may kill us, too. I, I know, I know. You got us into this. Now get us out. Oh, I wish we'd. Just gone to Chinatown like I wanted. Never mind wishing. Think of something. Can't. My mind's frozen. That gun looks so big. Florence, I'm scared. Maybe we can distract him by talking. Professor? uh, Professor? Yes? You're not looking in the right place. 
I suggest you look up at the ceiling. I don't need to. I'm prepared to admit that you probably guessed my little scheme to rid myself of Matilda. Oh, it was a clever scheme, but not clever enough. I think it was. My little talk about witchcraft and black magic and knives that move by themselves confused everyone else so thoroughly none of them will ever seek for a more rational explanation. But we know. At least, I, I think we do. And you, my dear ladies, are going to be silent as the grave. Oh! A nice turn of phrase, isn't it? Silent as the grave? You're going to kill us? As soon as the next clap of thunder comes to drown out the noise of the shots. Oh, no! Why, we have tickets for a round-the-world voyage, and we haven't even started. You'll not need them, I assure you. you. You'll be caught. I never read a mystery yet where the killer wasn't caught. How different life is from books. You see, there's a pool of quicksand a mile from here oh. in the swamps. Your bodies will go into that pool, and you'll never be found again. Particularly as no one is likely to come looking for you. Oh, dear. We won't even have a headstone. I always hated swamps, so... Lights are going out. solved a murder, and in a locked room, too. The manner in which we solved this dastardly crime. Grace? Yes, sir? I'm writing up our diary. Yes? And I want to put down how we solved Matilda's murder. How did we solve it? I'm still a little confused. Oh, well, in the end, it was quite simple. You see, Florence, for 50 years you taught history, but I taught physics. What has that to do with it? When we were examining those two knives and some strange force drew the two blades together... Yes, I remember. I recognized it at once that one of the blades must be magnetized. Magnetized, of course. Now, hard steel becomes magnetized when in the field of an electromagnet. So I reasoned. There was a magnet somewhere in the ceiling. And when we got Chief Huffin to come back, he found it under the floor of the room above, directly over Matilda's bed. So all Professor Smith had to do was to switch on the electromagnet, then place the knife against the ceiling, and it stuck there? Exactly. Uh, uh, you helped Matilda to bed. Neither of you noticed the knife, because the room was lighted only by a small bedside lamp. Then ten minutes later, in the living room, the professor pretended to switch on the lights. At the same time, he pressed the switch that controlled the electromagnet. And the knife 
fell and plunged straight into Matilda's heart. <gasps> Poor thing. But how did the professor get killed? You find us blurred over that is telling Chief Hoffman what happened. Why, in testing the apparatus, I put the second knife against the ceiling, and the electromagnet held it there. Yes? Then the professor came in and stood under it while he pointed his gun at us and waited for a flash of lightning. That was like a bad dream. But when the lightning came, the flash blinded him. We ducked. The lightning itself struck the wires, cutting off the current and causing the electromagnet to cease working. So that the knife fell and killed the professor. He was destroyed by his own evil scheme. Exactly. By his own black magic, it killed him. You might even say he was executed by heaven itself. him, too. And just because the lights were out. So Grace and Florence Murdoch are going to London soon. If you happen to be traveling to Europe in the near future, and you encounter two elderly maiden ladies with an odd gleam in their eyes, duck. Because you may be involved in a murder before you know it. You may even become the victim. Oh, that reminds me of my story for next week. A Coffin for Charlie. It's about an Englishman who inherits a coffin. A million-dollar coffin, which he... Oh, you have to get off here. I'm sorry. I'm sure we'll meet again. I take this same train every week at this same time. just heard The Mysterious Traveler, with the title role played by Maurice Tarplin. Others in our cast were Gladys Thornton, Abby Lewis, and Wendell Holmes. Original music composed and played by Al Finelli. All characters in our story were fictitious. Any resemblance to actual persons was purely coincidental. Phil Tonkin speaking. This program came to you from New York. That's our strange tale for this week. I'll be back next Sunday with more. In between now and then, you can find more from the Mysterious Traveler, Strange Tales, all the other podcasts, and our Shoutcast stream at relicradio.com. While you're there, if you'd like to help this and all of the shows, you can click on that donate button. Your support makes all of this possible. Thank you to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back next Sunday with another episode of Relic Radio's Strange Tales. Strange Tales.